Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Hey, um, I want to share a story this morning about a time when I was 16 years old and I was living in New Zealand and I was doing an internship at a church there. I, I managed to land a, a full-time internship, so literally every single day, uh, Monday to Friday uh, plus Sunday, 8.30 till 5 p.m., serving in the house of God, you name it, I did it. Whatever it was, like we just, we just did everything as the interns. We cleaned, we, we swept, we cooked. Uh, it was very great because the church not just got us to serve a lot, but they actually paid us a salary to look after us. And so myself and this team of about like five other interns had a year of just serving in the house of God. And um, I'll never forget, we, there was this one week, and um, as part of the internship, we, we were doing the new Christians course. So kind of like how we have at Nations Church Life Found, uh, which is coming up. Uh, we have um, these new Christian courses. I was doing a new Christians course. It's just part of the church. And there was one week that they were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they, there was a Sunday they'd set apart, say, hey, this, is, this Sunday, we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we want to ask you and encourage you to pray, to seek God, to, be, to come hungry and come expectant that God's going to speak to you. And so I, I remember I really heeded that. I, I, I heard that. And so that week I was cleaning out the shed. And um, does anyone know those little uh, polystyrene beads that you get in bean bags? I think they're demonic, personally. <laughs> I think they, they should not exist because what had happened in this shed is... The beanbag, in fact, a few beanbags had ripped open and these polystyrene beads were like absolutely everywhere. Has anyone ever tried cleaning these things up before? It's like you sweep up a little pile and you go to go get the dustpan and brush. And as you do, a gust of wind comes through and blows it everywhere. I'm, I kid you not, I spent the entire of my Wednesday from 8.30 till about 5 p.m., 6 p.m. that night, cleaning up this shed, scooping up polystyrene beads, doing work. And um, I figured while I was in the midst of doing this work, I'm just going to start praying and, and, and asking God to touch my life on Sunday night. And so literally I'm cleaning and I'm praying, I'm God, would you, would you move the Sunday? Father, I ask that you speak to me. And, you know, what, what was challenging is they said, even if you're already filled with the Spirit, even if you're already praying in tongues, we want to encourage you to come expectant for God to speak to you again. They encourage us to fast, to pray. And so I spent that day, literally the entire of that near nine hours, just praying the whole time, God, would you move this Sunday? God, would you speak to me? Would you do something in my life? Would you touch me? Fasting, seeking, praying, God. I'll, I'll never forget Sunday rolled around and I walked into the auditorium and I walked up at the back of the auditorium walking in and I, it was almost like the moment I walked into the auditorium, the atmosphere was different. It was like God was in the room. Have you ever had a time you've come to church and it's just like God was in the room? It was like the air was different. The worship was wonderful. My heart was connecting with every word. It was like my faith was being stirred. It felt like the spotlight was on me. I'll never forget, they had an opportunity for prayer at the end of the service to invite people forward. I went forward. I got prayed for. And I just felt the wind of God's Spirit hit me. His presence come upon me. I remember tearing up and crying as I felt like, like tingles go through me as the power of God came upon me. I got marked. I got touched. I got filled with the Spirit once again. And I'll never forget that week, God teaching me a very, very important lesson. And the lesson was this, is that what God did in my life that night actually wasn't totally up to Him. It actually had a big part to do with my expectation. 
that there were other people that would have come to that service. There were other people that would have attended and they would have left unchanged, not different, not experiencing it. It's not that God was different, but there was a different expectation we approached Him with. And we see in this passage of Scripture that Jesus, it says this in verse number 31, His disciples said to Him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Jesus, the very presence of God made manifest. Jesus, whom God anointed more than any of His brothers because He hated sin and loved righteousness. Jesus, the revivalist. Jesus, the author of breakthrough. Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the author of your faith, the finisher. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the one who we're not even worthy to untie the strap of His sandals. We see Him in this passage of Scripture. And many people are in His presence. The Bible even says, how can you say who touched you? Look at the people pressing around. We can conclude many people touched His robe. The same Jesus, the same time, the same day, the same location, the same anointing, the same air, the same lighting situation. The same Jesus caused a different outcome for a different person. And it wasn't because Jesus changed Jesus did not become more anointed when the woman came and touched him. What happened is this woman had something everyone else didn't have, and that was this expectation. Someone say expectation. This woman had an expectation that other people did not have, and so this woman experienced an encounter that other people did not get. How many other sick people touched Jesus that day? How many other demonized people touched Jesus? How many other people needed a breakthrough, but because of not the will of God, but the expectation they carried, they disqualified themselves from what God was wanting to get to them. And I want to tell you today, church, myself included, there are things that God wants to release and God wants to speak and God wants to do in your life this year. But I believe it's going to require the stewardship of your expectation that we can't put everything up to the sovereignty of God and say, oh, if it's God's will, He'll do it in His time. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God does reign. But God is looking for a people that are expectant. He's looking for a people that are open. He's looking for a people that are hungry because expectation is the conduit He wants to to flow through. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was younger, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And so many of us, like myself included, get introduced to Jesus as children. Not necessarily children in the physical, but children in the spiritual. And children don't know how to feed themselves. Children and infants need mothers to look after them and nurse them and feed them and put them to bed. Why? Because they are incapable to look after themselves. I remember the night that I met Jesus for the first time. I did not even want to be there. I asked my mom to not make me go. Side note, if you're a mom, never listen to your kids. Send them to church. Send them to youth. It's the best thing you can do. Seriously, they might not like you, but you're a legend in the kingdom of heaven. All of heaven's applauding you for that decision. My mom did that when I was 11 years old, forced me to go to church. I didn't have faith. I didn't have expectation. I didn't, didn't do any prayer, but I just happened to be in a church service. And I'll never forget, I had a, a hand laid on me. Someone prayed for me and this lightning bolt of power struck my body. I felt to the ground and God literally invaded my life and introduced Himself to me. 
I didn't have a crazy wild expectation, but God in His mercy came and revealed Himself. How many of you are glad that your salvation story is not about what you did to get to God, it's what God did to get to you? Whether it was like me when I was 11 or not, all of us, we were all dead in sin, far from God. But God, who was rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, did not leave us for dead in our sin, but became the solution. God initiated and became a man. God became Jesus. God put skin and bone on and He walked a perfect life and He died a sinner's death. God reached out His hand to you and to me. The only reason we can come to God is because God first came to man as Jesus. God comes to us and initiates relationship at the point of infancy. But His desire and intention is not for you to remain there. I believe it is the desire and will of God for us to move into maturity. To go from infancy into maturity where no longer do we require and need the sovereignty of God to do everything for us. But we grow to a place of maturehood and adulthood where we actually learn to steward our own expectation, steward our own hunger, steward our own discipline and allow God to minister through that. God is wanting to raise a generation that aren't waiting for God to always do everything. Yes, He's sovereign. Yes, His will reigns. Yes, He is all-powerful. But the passage reveals to us it wasn't the power of God that was the problem. It was the expectation of the people. And this one woman had an expectation that the crowd did not have. And this one woman had an experience that no one else had. I just so believe for 2024, there are moments and experiences that actually God wants you to have. There are things God wants to speak to you about. There's breakthroughs He wants to reveal to you. But sometimes it's the conduit of our expectation that He's looking at to allow His power to flow. And so in the interest of stewarding our expectation, I guess we've got to ask ourselves, what is expectation? Expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. See, many people touched Jesus that day, but only one person touched Jesus with a strong belief that something would happen. I want to encourage you, what you think about, what you believe about, how you approach, it actually matters to God. The expectation you have determines what God will do in your life. And so I want to submit to you three keys today on how we could steward our expectation, how we can steward our belief that something will happen when we come to God. Is this okay so far? Everyone say point number one. Everyone, including the front row and all the other rows, say point number one. There we go. Oh, that was a nice bit of depth got in there. Bit of the strong masculine voices coming through. Point number one, expectation starts with a thought. Mark 5 verse 28, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. I love this. God the Bible, sorry, doesn't say God made her think. It doesn't say God told her to think. It doesn't say her rabbi told her to think. It doesn't say Jesus told her to think. It says she thought to herself. Did you know your thoughts actually matter? Your thoughts are the breeding ground of your expectation. This breakthrough and encounter this woman had, it actually started in the seedbed of a thought. Your thoughts literally determine what God is able to do in your life. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts and my thoughts have transformative power in them. And so let's just do a, um, 
a hypothetical analogy for today. Let's say there was someone that got up to preach and they were, they were young, wearing black shirt, black jeans, uh, pretty good looking. Um, so clearly not me that we're talking about. Uh, and let's just say, you know, they come up and you just, you look at them and they're like, man, they're just a bit, I'll be honest, man, they seem a bit arrogant. They seem a bit strong. They're a bit yelling. I just, I don't know how I feel about this person, you know. And then w- without realizing it, what you don't realize is happening is your thoughts are creating judgments that are excluding you from what God wants to do. And when we have these thoughts, no longer do we position ourselves to receive from someone, but our thoughts corrupt the expectation. And what happens is we no longer lean in in a readiness to receive, but we have a pride or a hardness of heart that prevents the Lord from moving through. I want to tell you today, most oftentimes God's breakthroughs in our lives are wrapped up in offence. Jesus said, I am the rock that causes offense. I am the rock of stumbling. Blessed is he who does not stumble over me. Most times I've found when God wants to minister to our lives, it comes wrapped, packaged in offense. Jesus has a Syrophoenician woman approach him and say, Rabbi, my, 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 my daughter is sick and she's demonized. Will you help me? Initially, he doesn't even respond. The disciples try to get rid of her and she pleads again. And then this is Jesus' response. It is not right to take from the children and give to the dogs. Sheesh. Do you guys like, do you hear the implications of this scripture? Could you imagine coming to church for prayer one day? And here's Pastor Roland from Cork Island. Like, oh yeah, I'll get that Cork anointing. Pastor Roland, would you please pray for me? And he says, I will not pray for a dog. Anyway, I don't know about you. I personally would be slightly upset with Pastor Roland. In fact, I'm already feeling offended at this analogy. I'm going to have to deal with that later on. This is literally what she's saying. Yes, Jesus is describing children, the children of Israel, as the rightful heirs of the throne, and the other nations are not the rightful heirs. Therefore, they are dogs. But then the woman's response is this. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that come from the table. What was Jesus doing when He said that? Was He trying to offend? Was He trying to turn away? No, God always wanted to heal and deliver her daughter. What He was doing was testing the state of her heart. He was checking to see, hey, do you have the humility in your heart to position yourself for breakthrough? Do you want breakthrough the way you think it's gonna come or are you willing to take it however I wanna give it? He's checking and seeing, what is the state of your heart? And I love the woman's response because her response is not pride and ego and offense. Well, if you're going to say that, whatever, I'll go to the rabbi down the road. What does she say? Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. In other words, if that's what it's going to take, I'm willing to get low. I'm willing to get under the table. I'm willing to submit to this. I'm willing to get humble because even the dogs get the crumbs. Jesus, by testing her posture of her heart, she responded with an increased expectation. In that moment, her daughter was healed. Jesus spits on this blind guy's eye or spits on the ground and makes muds and put it in his eye. Imagine if a church pastor did that these days. We just wouldn't go to their church. Why? Because he's testing the condition of our heart. He's testing the thoughts of offense in our mind. Are we willing to pause our right to be offended in order to position ourselves in humility to receive? 
It's so important, church, that we learn to guard our thoughts because without realizing it, when we have thoughts of offense at the way someone dresses, the way they sound, what they do, the way they act, and we start to make judgments about them, what we don't realize we're doing is we're corrupting the seedbed of expectation in our mind and we're preventing ourselves from a way God wants to minister to us. That's why the Bible says a prophet uh, is... If you honor a prophet as a man of God, you receive a prophet's reward. What that's saying is if you honor what someone's carrying in God, you position yourself to receive from them. Point number one, expectation starts with a thought. I want to encourage you. What are you thinking about? The Syrophoenician woman, she had a choice. Stay expectant or get offended. But when you choose to steward your thoughts, you make space for God to speak to you. Your thoughts are the breeding ground of expectation. For example, it's like when you come to church, you need to think to yourself, God's about to speak to me today. When you come into worship, you need to think to yourself, the presence of God is here and moving. When you actually have a conversation with your friend that doesn't know God yet, you need to think to yourself, God's going to give me an opportunity to tell them about the gospel. When you're having a conversation with your spouse, you need to think to yourself, man, God, if you want to challenge me on an area, I'm open to hearing it through her. What we think about matters. Our expectation begins in the seed form of a thought. Philippians 4 verse 8 puts it this way. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible would not instruct us to do something we're incapable of. In other words, if the Bible says to think about such things, you have the power to choose what you think about. I want to ask you today, are your thoughts enlarging your expectation for God to move in your life? Or are they creating offense to remove you from being able to receive? You are in control of what you choose to think about. Point number one, expectation starts with a thought. Point number two, expectation moves us to action. Has anyone here ever seen the Oscars before? Me and Pastor Roland and Leanne. <laughs> Watching it live streamed in Cork Island. <laughs> I haven't either, if I'm honest, <laughs> to be transparent. But what I have seen is during the Oscars, there is a huge difference between those that have a nomination for an award and those that aren't in the award category and how they respond at the announcement. See, what they do is they open an envelope. Before that, they'll list out you know, six nominees for best actor or best motion picture. But then there's this camera that zooms in onto all of their faces. And so you see all six of them ready to hear who lost effectively. And then someone opens up the award and says, the award goes to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. And what you not only see is Christopher Nolan being like, yes, but you see six other people pretending they're happy for Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Uh yeah, you're the best. Love that guy. You know, that is what happens. What I've noticed is there is a difference in posture and behavior between the nominees and the rest of the people. Why? Because the nominees are expecting they might get something in that moment. There's an angst on their face. There's a lean in. There's a caution. There's a listening. There's a paying careful attention. Their posture and behavior is changed because their expectation is different. Only the nominees are expecting an award. And so the nominees have a different behavior. Have you ever been expecting a really important phone call before? Maybe it's a job offer or some news you needed to hear. Your phone is not on silent in your car. It's on the table face up with the ringer turned all the way. Why? Because you're expecting a phone call. 
Your behaviour has changed because you're ready to receive something. What does your behaviour communicate about your expectation? Have you ever seen a pregnant woman expecting a child? Okay, come on, guys. <laughs> just, just give me something. I'm just have to do a hat trick or something. Let's try it again. Has anyone ever seen a pregnant woman expecting a child? Yeah, okay, great, great. Praise God. We're amongst family. We're amongst family. <laughs> now, from my observations of these women, their behaviour is different to before they were pregnant. Firstly, a bit more of the waddling situation going on. They're not quite as fast, not quite as agile. I don't see them playing as much team sports as they used to. They're no longer eating cheeses or drinking alcohol or things like that. They, they've changed what they consume. They've changed their way they act. They've changed their rhythms. Why? Their behavior is revealing what they're expecting. And I believe it's, it, it's impossible for us to talk about the stewardship of expectation without looking at the reality of our behavior. Because James puts it this way in 2 verse number 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Someone say dead. dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, his actions would reveal what he already believes. What do your actions believe about your expectation? Blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10 verse 49, Jesus called him over and they called the blind man. And it says in verse 50, the man threw off his coat as he jumped up and ran to Jesus. This coat symbolized his right to beg under the Roman occupation. It symbolized his right to earn money that way. It symbolized his condition of blindness. But I love Bartimaeus. He didn't just come to Jesus. He threw off his coat. He came to Jesus with an expectation that I'm not leaving, not being blind again. I'm leaving seeing. I'm leaving change. And blind Bartimaeus in that moment was healed of his condition as he approached Jesus with an expectation. Our expectation actually matters. And maybe we're like, well, who, who are those that have expectation? Can I be honest and frank with us today? Our behaviour already communicates what we expect. Those with expectation are the ones with their hands lifted high in worship because they're in love with Jesus. They have their phone open, ready to take notes, not because the preacher's saying something good, but because they're ready for the Spirit of God to speak to them. The Spirit of God to highlight that they don't want to be cat caught out like, oh man, I've got to get that sorted. They're hungry. They're leaning in. They arrive on time. Not that these behaviours are a matter. It's not religion. It's what does the behaviour communicate about the belief? Have you ever wondered why we yes and amen in church? Because I don't know about you, when I came to youth ministry as a kid, I thought it was a bit strange. I asked my Connect leader, why are they yelling yes and amen? Because no other situation of life do you do this. And what he explained to me was really helpful. The power of life and death is in the tongue. What you don't realize is when you open your mouth and you say yes, you say amen, you say I agree, your words are literally creating a spiritual atmosphere that changes the dynamic of the room. We, in our youth ministry, we encourage our leaders, if they're next to a kid that's distracted, lean in to distract them from their distraction. In other words, you've got a kid scrolling Snapchat, Instagram, but they're next to Celine Teo, who's going, amen, that's so good, Matt. Yep, I believe that the kid, oh my gosh, you know, they, they can't focus on what they were doing. They have to now focus on what God is doing because of the expectation of the people. It's not gimmicky. Atmosphere actually matters. 
expectation actually matters and our behaviour communicates our expectation. I want to encourage you, don't wait for someone else on your road to lead you. Lean in, agree, say yes. I, I don't need this, but you need this. When I sit in the front row, it doesn't matter who's preaching. I'm in agreement. Why? Because I want my heart to be open to God. What are you saying? God, what are you revealing? I don't want to be so prideful that I disqualify uh, because they're different to me, because they've got a different calling, because they're older. It does not matter. I want to be humble enough to get under the table. I want to be hungry enough to lean in. Why? Because 2024 is not going to be a year that the Messiah passes me by. I'm going to be like the woman who gets on my knees and crawls towards Him. I'm going to be like the woman who reached out and touched His hem. I'm going to be like the woman who experienced what His will was for her life. What is your expectation communicating about your faith? And I'm not saying this to shame people or make you conform to a Pentecostal culture. It's not even Pentecostal. Look at people that watch football games. I've seen the most conservative men that wear leather shoes on their days off. You know what I'm talking about? With their, their T-shirts never not. They, they tuck their T-shirt into their pajamas. You know what I'm talking about? They're like business always. I've seen these wholesome men yelling at a TV, screaming, chanting. Why? Because they have an expectation their team might win. Don't disqualify yourself and say, oh, it's not my behavior. That's not my personality. Can I tell you, desperation is all of our personality. Desperation is all of our birthright. And expectation is what God's wanting to breathe in. It's point number one. Expectation starts with a thought. thought, thought. <laughs> expectation starts, kind of sounded like someone small jumped into a pool, you know. <laughs> like, expectation starts with a thought. Point number two, expectation moves us to action. And point number three, if I'd have the worship band come join me, expectation remains open-handed with the outcome. Acts chapter one, verse number four. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Sometimes when you get so focused on a specific outcome, our expectation can be limiting. And we see if we turn the pages to Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, so this is what Acts chapter 1 was prophesying about, that to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, you'll be baptized. With Acts chapter 2 rolls wrong, along, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, someone say Suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In 2011, this is the year before I moved to New Zealand. I was in high school, I was actually in year 12. And um, we had a nation's conference and I'll never forget, it was night two, and we had a, a great minister, his name's Pastor Ben Prescott. We've actually had his mum a bunch of times come preach Pastor Debbie to our church and to our house in many capacities. And he preached a sermon called Dead Man Walking. And he talked about the most dangerous person in prison are the ones on death row because they've got nothing to lose. And talked about when it comes to following Jesus, what it means to pick up your cross is to be a dead man walking where it's not about what you want, your desires and your, your pleasures. It's actually about following Him no matter the cost. And when you do that, you're dangerous to the devil. And, uh, 
he just gave the response. I was like, hey, if you want to be a dead man walking, come forward. And I remember I went forward, lifted up my hands, sung out to God with everything I had, just crying out. And um, I literally just said, God, you know, I give my life on the altar, whatever you want, whatever you desire. My, des- my desires, I lay them down for you. I want to be a dead man walking for you. And I gave my life to Jesus afresh. Fast forward a few moments later, probably about 15, 20 minutes goes by. The service has ended and uh, they've gone to Spotify. The band's no longer there. The auditorium's empty. And I was just chatting with a friend of mine. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this friend just starts, he, he, he just starts crying out of nowhere. And what had happened is the presence of God just came and fell upon him randomly. I didn't realize he was being serious at first. I thought he was just joking. <laughs> but he was really crying. And God just began to touch his life and I remember seeing it and I was like, wow, I just, I didn't expect God to do it that way. And I went and sat down in my chair and as I was sitting there, slowly but surely the presence of Jesus just came upon me. And I just began to cry. It was like this wind, this, this rush of wind came upon me. The fear of God came upon me. I began to sob and I got on my knees never forget the Holy Spirit just placing so clearly upon my heart I felt the Lord say Matt I want you to go to New Zealand see up to this point I was planning to stay in Perth I was planning to my parents were all cool with it I was going to live here while they went back but it was in that moment that God spoke to me about changing my direction and going to another country and I had another person as a youth leader of mine Dan Tan came over and prayed for me gave me a prophetic word that just confirmed what God was saying and I had this marking moment in my life. And um, if I'm honest with you, I wasn't expecting God to speak to me about my next year. I wasn't actually expecting God to rock up in the way He did. I, I actually wasn't expecting God to rock up when He did. I thought it was going to happen at the altar. I didn't realize it was going to happen later. I, I was unaware of the, the, the way that God was going to do it. And I, I see in the Scripture in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives the instruction to wait for the Holy Spirit. But then we see Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. These disciples were not waiting for a sound They were not waiting to see something. They were not waiting for the gift of tongues. They did not even know what they were waiting for. They weren't waiting for something. They were waiting for someone. And sometimes we can fall into a rut where our expectation becomes damaging because we put more expectation in something than someone. And how can you know if your expectation is in something more than it is in someone? The answer is simple. Ask yourself, if God was to give you what you so earnestly desired, would you still seek Him afterwards? If God was to heal that sickness, if God was to bring that son that's far away from God back home, would you still pursue Him with everything the next day? 
Would you still get on your knees and hunger for Him? Would you still carry an expectation for Him? And don't hear me wrong, and I want to prophesy this. This is God's desire to bring your lost children home. It's God's desire to heal your sickness. I believe that 2024 is going to be a year of breaking in where the presence of God breaks into people's lives, delivers them. There's going to be suddenly moments. The Bible's full of suddenly moments. Suddenly the, there was a sound and the, that's when the Holy Spirit came. Suddenly they're at the other side. There are suddenly moments for you this year. There are things that God wants to do in your life this year. But I want to ask you, are you hoping and expecting a suddenly more than you're expecting the God of the suddenly? Because how do we keep our expectation in balance? Simply this, expectation remains open-handed with the outcome. Our expectation needs to be in God more than in His miracles. Otherwise, we can get the miracle, but miss the miracle worker. You can get the healing, but miss the healer. You can get the breakthrough, but miss the one who breaks in and through. When your expectation is in an outcome, you can get your outcome and miss God. But when your expectation is in God, you will get the outcome and you will get Him also. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.